The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Shall we begin? Let's begin. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of Ronin. In part one, we watched the IRA assemble their team of mercenaries and prepare to steal a case from some unfriendly people. If you missed out on that, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you can always stay caught up with us. This week, we are going right into the action. So far, the story has been relatively straightforward. A few hiccups along the way, but nothing to seriously derail our team's planned ambush operation. Now it's time to hold on to our seats because it is all about to go completely tits up and sideways in this episode of Spies Like Us. The actual op goes down the next day, um, you know, rigorously planned out, very nice stuff here, uh, you know, with people put in, in correct positions, uh, you know, to let everyone know what's going on. Um, they, Not having two snipers shoot at each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, plus five points on that stoplight trick. Where they can get the car to, to, you know, stop exactly where they want it. Um, Gregor's tracking... I wonder how realistic that is. I mean, I presume so. But that's kind of tough to have just a remote. Like, does that even exist? You would think that there would be like a security policy from whoever is in charge of that stuff. I'm sure it exists today and it would be easy, for instance, for like the CIA to arrange that to happen uh, at a New York stoplight. Oh, I see. Yeah. Here, here we've got some people that are operating in France. Uh, we're actually back to Nice, which is uh, was also uh, featured in our Day of the Jackal episode. I guess it's kind of on the border of, of France. A little bit outside of Paris. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you could do it. I'm not sure they could have pulled it off in this situation, or at least it it should have uh, involved more prep work. Like, you know, some guy, one of those things, like you'd you'd put the River Phoenix character from Sneakers on that job, (laughs) you know, dressed up as a a city worker and and up there in his rig doing some maintenance. John Renault apparently is the guy that gets stuff in in Paris and if we're in France, I presume he can get the thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he said some of the what I need is very specialized. Jean Renault mm-hmm. said, you know, if it's in Paris, I can get it. Uh but yeah, you're right. This is this is maybe a that's that's maybe a little bit of mission impossible tech. Yeah. Um which could be replicated without being in a Mission Impossible movie, but probably more work than what we've seen happen in this film. Yeah. Gregor's using some, what we would now call laughably low-res computer tech in his van uh, <laughs> to track the target. Is he is he tapped into a satellite or something? I'm... I'm not sure. That well, might... GPS existed back then, and you could still track cell phones back then. Uh, most consumer market stuff is out way after military level has it. 
so yeah, that 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 is believable for me. Um, it, it definitely would have been satellite, and I know GPS was around at some point. At that point, consumer market wise, it was just really expensive. I mean, this is ninety eight, so given script writing, well, it could you have know, been James always. Spy movies, realistic or unrealistic, like we're always like. Uh, we always want to be as the audience, we want to be introduced into the what's one step past the current cutting edge of yeah. technology is yeah. the most fun for us as we yeah. have popcorn, <laughs> right. for sure. Yeah, um, but on the low tech side, I like that in the interior of his van, he's got a, a gigantic map of Nice right to his, to his right side that he can reference at any time. Like it's yeah. fucking huge. Like they, they yeah. wallpapered the van with well, the yeah, map. At that point. They definitely wouldn't have had Google maps. So like a third screen probably wouldn't have happened. No, that's a good point. I like that. It's all there. I wanted to comment quickly on the full on grand theft auto move that our driver guy pulls off where uh-huh. he, like he rams the car into the side, pulls up by the side and, and, Hits, uh, what is it? Hits uh, uh, R1 on his controller. R1 and X. (laughs) Right. Because that's how you do it in GTA. (laughs) You definitely learn to practice that particular uh, sequence of events. Uh, And yeah, it, it definitely made me smile. Uh, What made me smile a little less was, uh, okay, so now everything's crashing together. I mean, they've systematically eradicated, like, one car and then another car and then another car. We're down to the final car, and we've got that crash down. We're grabbing the fucking case, right? And then we get this bullshit scene where Gregor and people are shooting, like, high-caliber shit. Like, Robert De Niro fucking started this shit off with a grenade launcher, goes back for a full-on assault rifle. Like... There's like some major fucking artillery going on here. Gregor pops out of the van and like just pew pews with his little fucking handgun for no reasons. Like you're not, you're not contributing to this fight. What you're really doing is you're just announcing yourself. Right. (laughs) Well, he could be playing the, the, you know, he's got to get out of there. He's got to show there's fire. Right. Maybe. I don't know. I think in a firefight, like, like, and I'm no expert, uh, in the firefight that I'm looking at, uh, popping out of the van and going like pew pew just looks really cool. It's not, I don't think it's the right move with that yeah. little gun. You're not, you're not contributing, you know, like in an Overwatch situation yeah. or something. Like, if I'm playing a game, like, everyone's raining out, like, you know, 200 fucking DPS. And I'm going to, like, pew, pew with my extra little, like, 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the range he's at, like, it's whatever. I spend a lot of time with it. Uh, I like the way he blows the handcuff off with his little micro-explosive. That was really cool. I, just with, you know, a lot of movies, when you see a handcuff briefcase, you're like, oh, you got to cut the hand off. You know, but, like, his little explosive... Like tiny pyrotechnics is really cool. Sure, and I yeah, that that was actually a lot of fun. And so I suppose it was always planned uh, on the surface level, 
uh, amongst the team that he was going to be the guy to get the case, you right. know, because he's carrying that equipment to, to disable the, the little chain. Um, now, on the color of the case and the fact he's got to spray paint it, uh, I'll go back and complain about uh, Sam using a black and white camera. In fact, everyone using black and white cameras for all their yeah. surveillance. Um, because black and white photographs look very cool in spy movies, but color is an extra detail and it's not that expensive. Um, well, 98, right? I mean, we're film development is still a thing. I think 24 hour photos. Were I still think, a yeah, thing. I think you still have to go to the place. And come back tomorrow to get your photos. That's true. I don't even think I had a camera on my phone in 98. Oh, you did not. I Well, yeah. I, I don't know. But I think Gregor should have known the color of the case in advance. Right. Well, and especially since we, you know, find out later their ice skate case. Mm-hmm. I, and the, the amount of intel that they ran to find out about the the target about they would have seen the case right well yeah i mean they see it has to know where the case is right in the photographs that sam takes at the hotel well maybe i'm being too harsh like gregor he's got to i don't think you're being harsh at all he's got he's got limited amount of time he needs to once he knows maybe he doesn't know what the case is until he sees sam's photographs from the hotel that's maybe when he gets the first time I'm not 100% sure on this, but that might be the first time anyone on the team has seen the case. Maybe up till then, they've only heard about it. Uh, If I had time, I would rewind in the movie and see if Deirdre had any pictures of the case that she showed to the team earlier in the film. But for right now, let's assume that the photographs Sam gets from the hotel are the first time he's seen the case. Well, because dumbass Sam is cheaping out on the film that he's putting in his camera. He's only got black and white photographs. Well, no. Okay. What I'm trying to get at is maybe that's the first time Gregor's seen the case. So now he knows what kind of case he needs to get to do the double cross. He sees what kind of case it is and he sees, Oh, it's an ice skating case, which he knows because he's Russian. And then he goes to the local store and they don't have any silver ones. (laughs) And he's like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll improvise. Okay, yeah. so maybe I'm maybe I'm okay with this. Maybe I'm more okay with this than yeah. I'm more. Wasn't okay there a whole this. thing for them to find about the cases that like they had to go find a place that sells Russian stuff? It's fucking. This happens to just be a Russian ice skate case. I don't even. I don't like, even. No one in France uses ice skate cases. I don't even like that part. No. I I, I don't know. Like like. The figure skating is a pretty niche market. Right, it's it's not like you have, you know, regional ice skate cases. This seems like a like a cinematic choice to just be like, we need to, because there's a bomb in the switch case, right? So we need Robert De Niro to figure out, oh, there's a bomb, or like get rid of the case. No, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, like, it's a fun so, way for him to realize. I don't think, you're, I don't think you're being case. too harsh. I don't think you're being too harsh at all. I, th- I think I, th- I think this is really weird. And because the scene is so fast with like pew pews and 
kabooms and cars and stuff. <laughs> We're not really paying attention. Uh, I think this is our icebox moments where it's just like, okay, well, this is kind of, we are kind of nitpicking, but I don't think you're being too harsh because realistically, I don't know that it'd be that hard to get a similar case, especially since we're talking about the, you know, we found out Russian mafia dude is like dating like a top figure skater. Right. And like, he needs to get a case that matches there's got to be figure skating in France. I mean, they compete in the Olympics, right? I mean, he doesn't have time to spray paint it in the moment. Like, that was that was what I thought when I very first saw the movie, is he ne- he needed to see the case in real life during, right. during this op, and then quickly, like, say, like, oh, fuck, my case is the wrong color. Uh, well, I was smart enough to bring some spray paint. I don't know, spray painted it in France. Or yeah, something. I or just well these days I would say like just fucking order it on Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Which obviously you couldn't do at the time. One way or the other, one way or the other, he gets away with the case. Uh, Sam goes to Deirdre. He says like, "What the fuck?" And she's you know where where's he going? She fucks up by saying he's going to sell the case to the Russians. They didn't need to know that. Minus five points. Wait a minute. How does she know he's selling it to the Russians? She's known this the whole time. Because Seamus told her, you've got to move fast before they sell it to the Russians. Oh, that's right. I missed that. But when she tells Sam, he's Gregor's probably going to try to sell the case to the Russians... That's also like a leap of logic on her part, but it's also information she didn't need to give out. Right. That's kind of an inference that she shouldn't have shared. Well, I mean, like in a panic, you know, it, it could kind of slip. Yeah, out. yeah, it could. It could I slip. think it makes more sense than her slipping it out other than spray painting a skate case. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we give plus and minus spy points on, on two levels on this show. Number one, is it something that you should do? Number two is something like, does it make sense that you did do it, even if it was something you shouldn't have done? Right. Both of those can get you minus spy points. A slightly different flavor of minus spy points. In this case, it's the the latter. Right. Uh, She just shouldn't have. Uh, But I agree, like, you know, yeah, in the heat of the moment. People make mistakes. Right. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're like hard. They're hard working on like, well, how are we going to find Gregor? And we already talked about our big complaints about somebody should have been watching. Why Gregor. was nobody watching Gregor? When they're working through this, this came very close to making my list uh, of, of top three best tradecraft. This is one of those scenes I think you can just like the more you watch it, the more you appreciate it. And, and appreciate Robert De Niro as an actor. He's very cagey about admitting that he might know somebody that could trace Gregor's cell phone. Watch mm. him really closely. He does not want them to know that unless it's absolutely necessary for him to reveal in order for him to continue to move forward toward his objectives. Right. Um, 
again, we were talking very recently about like, you know, the level, the state of technology at the time. So I guess in 1998, yeah, it's something that like we're supposed to imagine the CIA could do. It's, I mean, these days, dude, right now, you and me, we know. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We know (laughs) that the CIA can track cell phones. We know that fucking... Teenagers in Yugoslavia slums with a <laughs> internet connection and, and, some, and some dark web passwords can track our cell phones. But at this moment, admitting that is is something that's like that's a fucking state secret, and, and right. that that that's why I really like I really like the way he played that. Uh, no, yeah, I I also love the little password thing. You know, they they got like a whole like you know I forgot what it was. I'm kind of upset that I don't remember that line. I'm usually really oh you talking it. about oh you talking about where uh, De Niro approaches his buddy, which yeah. we're not supposed. To, it looks like they're just he's just uh, talking to a random dude. Yeah. Um, and you know the guy's like, well, you know they must it must have been kind of a passcode you know, thing. Cause the guy's like, well, how, how'd you know I speak English? Like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. And then once they kind of have, uh, translated through that kind of, uh, code phrase phase of their interaction and the pretenses are dropped, his buddy says like, I thought you were out. And that's a minus five points because they are actually working together. Right. There's no need for him. There's no need. It doesn't logically well, make no, sense. It was cover. Cause if anybody was listening, I thought you were out. Okay. All right. I'll forgive it. Yeah. If anybody was listening, but nobody's fucking listening in this movie. Yeah. No, no, nobody. And nobody's watching Gregor. What the fuck? Like, it's also before we get off cell phones too. Um, you know, like I said uh, too, like today, when we know that cell phones are vulnerable, like uh, first move, like if this movie, if you saw this movie in uh, 2021, Gregor drops his dr- Gregor ditches his fucking cell phone like immediately <laughs> after uh, this betrayal, right? and yeah. and picks up a burner. Um, but in 1998, if we're meant to believe that the KGB didn't know that the CIA had these kind of phone tracking abilities, that's the only reason that we can believe that he still would have been walking around thinking like, oh, yeah, I can make calls on this. CIA is not listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not. I mean, Gregor would know he's the tech dude, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's what we're meant to believe is that the KGB didn't have that information about the CIA's capabilities or anyone's capabilities. Well, well remember you, Gregor? Gregor Gregor could get away probably tells us about like, you know, the whole tech superiority thing in general, where it's just like, aha, I'm 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 the one, you know, planning everything. I'm the one in charge of everything, you know. Especially if he's going to pull off something like this, he has to have some kind of ego behind him, you know. Oh, Especially sure. since dude that he was supposed to meet up with tried to kill him, and that's when he increased the the price again. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Oh, 
Well, now my price went up. And also, so this guy's obviously someone that thinks like very highly of himself, right? Also, let's not forget that as far as Gregor knows, Sam is ex-CIA. And so Gregor, even if he did kind of know that the CIA could track his cell phone, that if he believes Sam's cover story, and we have no reason to believe that he doesn't, then maybe he's confident that Sam doesn't have access to that. Gregor's got the case. He's going to try to sell it to the Russians, uh, which is where it was going to be sold to anyways. But I guess, again, like he just wants all the money for himself. He does this. Okay. Can I tell you one of my favorite Emo Phillips jokes? Yes. Okay. I like to, I like to go down to the playground and watch all the children running around and yelling and screaming. They don't know I'm using blanks. Wow. That's like a darker Mitch Hedberg joke. It's a pretty fucking dark joke. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I brought That's it up really because good. because this is uh, the situation where Gregor uh, proves to, you know, his Russian contact and also to to the us, the audience, that he's harder than a coffin nail. Yeah. I've, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the, I mean, you know, with the show, like, like we're, we were talking about the, the whole 70s feel, like we get so many shots of him where it's just like, something's up with this guy. Something's up with this guy. Something's up with this guy, you know, and then we get this like moment where he's just like, I don't fuck around. I want my price raised. I have the thing. Meet me here. I'm in control now. This is not just a business transaction. I'm in control of what you want. You meet my demands. I don't have the thing. I have it in a safe place. You meet my demands. You're not getting the thing, you know. Well, it's pretty smart of uh, his his Russian guy to have a second gun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but an even even greater play on Gregor to just stab the accelerator. You know, boom, your aim's off, plastered. Yeah. Yeah, in the window. <laughs> he's he's gonna still negotiate with the Russians, even though they tried to stab him in the butt. Uh, I guess he is con. Well, he's confident that the IRA can't meet his price because they tried to lope all the shit out of this. Yeah, <laughs> forty grand <laughs> per operative. Yeah. He wants his mill. So this time, like you know, when he um, you know, he just pays a local guy in the bar to uh, you know, go and kind of do an impromptu brush pass on, on the next Russian guys, because he's going to be a little more careful this time. He's going to set up his, his meat situation plus by points. The uh, uh, amount of double crossing and triple crossing. And I even, I think we're getting into quadruple cross territory yeah. in the arena scene. It, it gets insane. Uh, I love it. I did have a problem, uh, like Jonathan Price, our Seamus character, being in just the right place to interrupt Gregor's flight with the car door. Uh, he had no reason to know which way Gregor would flee, or even that Gregor would flee. Like it, it's 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 real bullshit. Uh, math. There's a there's a lot that bugs me about the the infinite double crosses and um it 
you know, I talked about this when we were watching this together. It, it, there's so many move. There's so many moments where the story just starts over, and we're like just telling a new story. And you know, it, it always brings me back to like you know the heist film thing, you know, where it's just like, oh, here's the big twist. Everybody's double crossing everybody. It. This was better done than like in most heist films where it's just like everybody's doing it but like what bugged me the most and especially after like our big car chase that took 10 fucking minutes um it 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 was really exhausting to have to start over uh realistically it makes a lot of sense because this happens a lot i guess in, in when, when you're dealing with uncertainty, you have to reframe what you're looking at often. You know what I mean? Like you have to have like a gauge or a measure of what you're looking at. And then when things are weird, you have to like re-gauge. So it was kind of fun watching the movie, you know, for the first time. Um, but while I was watching it the first time, it just bothered me that as a audience member, like forgetting analysis for this show is forgetting, like just looking at all the trade craft and stuff, just watching the film is like a film to like sit down and enjoy. Like you have to start over so many times. Like, Oh, okay. Oh, this is the story. Oh, no, oh okay. I guess we're telling this story now. I guess we're to Griffin. It, it was kind of- here. Let me get in here. Griffin Newman from blank check. Uh, said that if you meet anyone that says that they remember what happened in the second half of Stripes, they are lying. I do. Okay. <laughs> well, but I'm also. Do you take, I, do you uh, take my point? Yeah, I do. I got your point. I got your point. To yours, like yeah, that's yeah. definitely a movie where like there's there's a movie that everyone remembers, and then there's another movie which is the second yeah. half of that movie. <laughs> And yeah. I, I think Ronan is the same way. I think that I, I can definitely speak for myself, but I think it also just might be true. Like if you saw Ronan, like, I don't know, four or five years ago, like you probably remember everything up until Gregor steals the case. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> really don't remember anything that happens yeah. after that. Because yeah. <laughs> again, it, yeah, it's it's like you said, like like we're 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 kind of starting a new movie. We're starting a new story. Yeah, it, it, but it's not even just like with your stripes example. You definitely made a good point. I just happened to have seen it eight million fucking times. Uh, but you're right. So you remember uh, all the RV stuff? Yes, I, I remember the whole RV thing. And the, like the flamethrower and the the. Why have you seen it a half a million times? That movie kind of sucks. Uh, one because it was at a time. Uh, you know, they, you know that probably explains why I'm confused about movies people haven't seen. There was there was a time in my life around like maybe late junior high through high school, where I was just watching. TV a lot and like there were so many movies on t- and this is why like I've seen Clue a hundred times not that you shouldn't watch Clue a hundred times because it's probably one of the best movies ever made but like 
there was a lot of movies on television. Like, I remember there's like this board game group that I'm a part of and somebody who is a film buff had never seen Troop Beverly Hills. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, that was on television all the, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, like I talked to my mom and she just tells me stories of how Wizard of Oz was always on television, like always on television, you know, like, like there was, there was a period of time in my life where like, there were just movies on television all the time. And you're like, oh yeah, I like this movie. Let me just watch it again. But like now that I have all these DVDs or I have like access to all these streaming fucking services, I have like a list of films that I've seen that I don't go back and watch all the time. You know, it, it's just weird. Like when it was just on, you'll just watch it, right? Like you just need to watch it because it's playing type of thing. And like Stripes was one of those. It was always on all the time. And and that's why I really remember the second half of the film. Okay, like that's probably uh, enough about stripes. Sorry, but to your point that you were trying to make, uh, you're right. Uh, the the second half of Ronin, it, it's just like a mess for me. It's less. Like, it's much less. Uh, and we're not. We haven't even gotten to the car chase part. But you know, again, I, I commented to you directly, like halfway through that last fucking car chase i was like i'm starting to forget what this movie is about <laughs> like, right what yeah yeah what are, what are second, we doing here yeah and, and i'm wondering if the director the writer the producer the 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 the, the film uh umbrella wanted us to experience uncertainty uh and having to readjust you know, your frameworks. And if that's the case, I want to maybe up my rating of the film. I think a better version of this film is at this point, we should be like 85% through the film. And then they could have spent a lot more time with the parts of the film that we really liked, which was like the team getting to know each other and right. like like they're prodding and maybe develop those characters out some more. Uh, and then like, you know, the betrayal would be like uh, the beginning of act or the, the end of act two and the beginning of act three. And we would just kind of like, you know, would spend some time. We'd figure out some way to, to make sure Gregor gets his due and that, you know, Sam gets to nail Seamus, but yeah, it's it's um I, I I think we're in agreement here. Like this this shouldn't have been the halfway point of the film. This should have been this should have been further on because everything that happens before this I love and everything that happens after this just feels like uh procedurally going through the motions. Yeah. And with, uh... with a lot of extra steps that are that are not necessary. Let's start with the Lonsdale scene. You said you love it. I'm cool with that. I want to hear your thoughts about that. Uh, I just love it watching Lonsdale. I don't. I don't think the scene needed to be there. It didn't. It didn't. It whatsoever. Uh, other than maybe the surgery, 
I Wait, okay. Let's start, start with that. Longsdale's got all this surgical equipment. Okay, so Sam's been shot. He was shot yeah. in the quadruple cross part of the thing. He needs to take care of it. He's like, you know, get me to a doctor, veterinarian. Jean Reno says, I can do better than that. He's going to take him to Lonsdale. Lonsdale right. has apparently like all the surgical equipment necessary, but no access to an actual doctor. Minus five points. I don't know. Maybe he was a doctor and he's trying to keep his cover. I, yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it, it, it seemed like we needed this scene just to have an awesome Lonsdale moment, which I'm okay with. I, I, I feel like I feel like it was the first scene the scriptwriter wrote into the script and said, <laughs> you know, like while he was still working on the story, he was like, right. and then there's gonna be this scene. Yeah. <laughs> right. With with a long haired guy with glasses and sad, sad hound dog eyes. Right. And a French accent. <laughs> yeah. be, you know, painstakingly like painting these little figures and it's going to impart some wisdom to our main character. And then he was like, okay, okay. I have that idea. I'm going to go start working on like what the story is and how that's going to be incorporated. But it feels like something that was like, like one of your first ideas. And then, and then you never went back and looked at it and said like, does this scene need to be there? And it does. It doesn't because like, First off, Robert De Niro's character, Sam, is not a Ronin. Not whatsoever. That's and, and this is when we actually... Film. He's only posing as one. So anything that Lonsdale could impart wisdom-wise to Sam mm-hmm. is going to land on deaf ears. And it does. You know? I mean, he tells him the story about the 47 Ronin, and, and Robert De Niro's just like, yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah, like we like this is when we get the title of the film because <clears throat> we later find out that well, Robert De Niro's not actually a Ronin. You know, like we even get the whole samurai beginning at the be uh, beginning of the film, like you know, uh, telling us the story about the forty-seven Ronin. Then we get this scene with Lonsdale about the forty-seven Ronin and how they like uh, died for the right thing, but. Robert De Niro doesn't really do that. He doesn't die for the right thing. Well, I guess he kind of does. He's trying to get Jonathan Price. That's his objective. It doesn't mean anything to his character, and that's a cardinal right. sin in storytelling. Yeah. Is is to like just masturbate this, you know, very cool Lonsdale character. I mean, he's fucking awesome. I love this guy. I love yeah. his little <laughs> miniatures. Yeah, but no, the whole thing was great. But maybe, maybe this goes back to what I was saying. No substance to it at all. Maybe, maybe they were trying to give us the real experience, quote unquote, and the whole big moment of clarity. Like it's not real. You know, I I I might be able to fix it. Have the Lonsdale conversation with Renault instead. Because Renault is a Ronin. And by the end of the film, we realize, like, he's actually, which in a way that I really like, you're not aware that Jean Renault's character, Vincent, is 
our audience surrogate until the very end. He's the one that oh. is he is the one that is left to observe and to see and to report to us like what actually happened. Maybe the you know Lonsdale That's right. They should have just had him be the one viewing the forty seven running story. Right. That's a great idea. That's a oh no. We should we should we should call up everybody in Hollywood and <laughs> okay. be like, hey, y'all fucked up. This is what you should have done. I'm sure they li- should listen to us. I still love the movie. Uh, okay. Oh, really quick too, like the self surgery scene on De Niro. Uh, also, like like we said, like this movie regularly makes top ten lists of best car chase movies. This is also uh, makes all the lists of top ten movies where the hero has to uh, remove a bullet from himself. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> starting with starting with uh, uh, in my opinion, First Blood is always going to be like top of my list. Right. Uh, fucking love First Blood. I have never seen First Blood. Oh my god, we are going to fix that. It is a really good movie, David. Yeah, Master, Master and Commander had a really good one. Oh yeah, here's the list. Master and Commander, that was really good. Mm-hmm. They had to get him to the island, you know, because, so, you know, it was too dangerous to do it on the ship. Ronan yeah. makes number nine. Uh, I guess there's one in John Wick that I don't remember. Uh, I guess there's one in Castaway I also don't remember. Uh-huh. Uh, First Blood, The Martian. Uh, the fugitive. Oh, Predator made the list because the Predator himself had to do some self surgery. Oh, that's right. Remember? That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember? Oh, yeah, that, that was a really good scene. Okay, and then uh, number one was uh, the Terminator, where he fucking takes his eye out. <laughs> <laughs> After visiting Lonsdale, I remember you and me watching the movie, and then they they locate Gregor, and we were both looking at each other saying, like, hey, wait a second. It doesn't seem like it was ever explained. Like, how did they do this? And uh, on my recent watch, remember, uh, because Renault and Lonsdale have a conversation in French, which is not Mm -hmm. subtitled. It turns out that's that's the key uh, in that conversation. If you watch it with with uh, you know like forced subtitles on, you'll mm-hmm. find that uh, uh, Renault tells Lonsdale we need help finding Gregor. Lonsdale says I can do that, and so that explains that part. Uh, I see. Well, then maybe maybe the forty seven Ronin story scene was kind of telling Sam Renault is a guy you can trust. Remember I complained about Deirdre saying to Sam, like he's going to sell it to the Russians. If she hadn't made that mistake, they wouldn't have, I mean, cause now it's down to just Sam and Jean Renault, right? Like mm-hmm. they're the only people left like Deirdre and Seamus have formed their own thing. You know, they've captured Gregor. Um, the driver guy is dead. Sean Bean was, you know, exited the film alive mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, much earlier in the film. 
oh, wow. Oh, man. You know what else would have made this better film? I don't know. I, I, now I'm just kind of jacking myself off a little. Dude, fucking Sean Bean shows up at the end. What if he was, like, so butthurt? Yeah. <laughs> that, like, he comes right. back. That oh, would, that would have been pretty realistic, too. That would have been dope. Guy, especially for his character, that would have made a lot of sense. And then we would have had a chance sure to kill happens. him. Yeah. Because Sean Bean needs yeah. to die in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, you know, we get our 10-minute long car chase, at the end of which we get our number one worst tradecraft of this film, Dave Take it away. Explain the problem with what Sam does, knowing everything we know, after having watched the movie a few times. Why is this our worst tradecraft? So we've already kind of spoiled quite a bit. Uh, the The end twist is that Robert De Niro has been working for the CIA and is trying to locate... Deidre's handler, who's played by Jonathan Price. That's who he's actually after. He doesn't give a shit about the case. And he doesn't care about the money either, right? Uh, other than that might be a, you know, a, a, a black way of trying to get the money. And I mean, like, you know, uh, a covert way of getting money. Um, the car chase ends... Um, Jonathan Price is basically pulled out of the car after being like kind of just detrimented from this like crash or whatever. And it's just like, well, if this was your target, why are you even going after the case? Why even keep up the cover anymore? Unless you're playing like long game chess, but still it even doesn't even make sense. Like just follow the ambulance. If, if he didn't care about the case to begin with, right. Like, how valuable is this case? They presumably know what's in it somehow, or it's, like, not even relevant to them, and their only target is getting to Jonathan Price. Like, they could just, like... Here he is. Here here he is. Here he is. He's just been... right here. He's half burnt to death. Yeah. He's being dragged, presumably, to a hospital. There's a bunch of EMTs pulling him out. Um, You know, I don't even... I don't even know that Sam needs to make a move here except to pick up a phone and call his CIA yeah. guys and say, yeah. we got him. Done. Yeah. End of movie. Right, right, right. And I don't know. Maybe maybe this goes back to the whole love in- interest rewrite where, like, he was trying to stay with Deidre, so he had to keep on the act to get her. I don't, I don't know. Ew. It's silly. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Knowing what you know, you, you at the end of the movie, like you have your target in your sights. Uh, you, you go for it. Instead, they spend a bunch more totally unnecessary film time for another story, pretending Unless, that we yeah. care about the case. But eventually, you know, we get the uh, oh wait, oh yeah, we still got finale. We get, still got finale. So pretending to go yeah. after the case. Uh, plus five points for Renault chatting up the guard, sharing a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, and he replays the line that Robert De Niro mentioned about talking to his guy. Oh, somebody I knew in high school. It was cute. Um, we watched the ice skating performance. 
Um, and we know that Russian mafia dude's important. Like, like he's like dating her or whatever. <clears throat> uh, Gregor's big plays and he's got snipers on the figure skater. Pay me. Uh, they still kill Gregor and the sniper kills the figure skater. Great play out because it was basically like, if I don't call them within X number of time, they're going to shoot the figure skater. I'm going with my points on Gregor, even though it didn't work out because I don't actually believe that the money was worth more to the, they, they spent so much setup, you know, on the Russian guys, like adoration and, and, you know, wanting to be a patron of the arts particularly this ice skater right? Uh, that when at the end of the day, you know, it was the money was worth more to him than the skater. I'll go with minus movie points on that. Yeah. Like, like we brought up, like they just keep opening new stories to tell us. And look, if, if, if it's really to give us the real experience, okay. Uh, th- that's probably going to up my rating once we get there. But, I mean, the rest of the film doesn't really get us anywhere other than telling us, oh, Sam was actually working for the CIA the whole time to get Jonathan Price. Which All is a nice stuff. twist. It is a nice twist. It is. It is a nice twist, but they didn't need to go through all of that to get us there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... I, I do like uh, I do like to give some plus spy points for Seamus showing up in his security guard disguise. That works out very well for him. Yeah, you know, especially when they're after him and there's a whole bunch of security guards. I mean, that's a that's a really good like blending in uh, yeah. kind of situation. Um, I though okay, so originally though he thought he could get his hands on the case for two hundred thousand. That's forty mm-hmm. k for five Ronin. And then he agreed when he was pressed to pay a million for it, which is 200 K for five Ronin. If he thought he could get it for two, is it worth it for him to get personally involved like this? And also like, where are the other IRA where like Deirdre is just, just get your boys. Right. Where's the posse? Stop flying solo. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you brought up the IRA, like, didn't claim him. Maybe they were playing, you know, good, I guess, uh, uh, publicity points that, no, this is not our guy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. You know, who knows what the real story with Deirdre is? That that why he's uh, apparently so... Okay, so if he's a rogue operative like he can't directly get his hands on ira people that he can trust or or announce himself to but maybe she should be able to maybe that you know in a better version of the movie that could have been explored again if we had moved this whole like gregor betrayal to be like the you know beginning of act three instead of being the act the beginning of act uh two out of five Mm-hmm. We get Seamus. Uh, to the movie's credit, he did not climb up, uh, you know, like villains like to do. And I hate to see, like, when at the end of the movie, they climb up to a high point. So <laughs> and fall, fall from that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't get that. Um, so that's but, good. Um, yeah. But he does, he does get sniped. 
And we find out from uh, news real footage, Jean Renault and Sam are are relaxing in their initial cafe. Sam still being a fucking puppy dog for no reason, thinking that Deirdre's <laughs> gonna show up. Right. Uh, on on no evidence. Um, right. Other than her trying to kiss him. Like he one, kissed her to cover them like one at the villa. Time. Yeah, but she like played it like she wanted to kiss him. He should be a veteran to know that it was nothing, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just it's it's one of those things. Like I like it because because I just like laughing at it and throwing popcorn at the screen on that whole. <laughs> like, don't don't change don't change that. Because uh, it's it's silly in a way that I enjoy. With Seamus dead, the news footage we see is that, um, you know, hey, oh, it looks like everything's going to be cool. Right. Hey! With yeah. IRA. Like, <laughs> finally have peace now that this rogue guy is dead. It is true historically. So this movie comes out in 1998. Uh, it is true that major, like the first major huge progress toward uh, the UK and and IRA making peace with each other was made in 1997 and was still continuing through 1998 when this film comes out. And that could have been like, I mean, it was significant enough that movie makers of the time might have thought like, yeah, oh, this is it. This is it. We're finally done. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out that way. And just a historical note, it wasn't actually until 2005, you know, because there was some, uh, I mean, there were some major moves toward peace, Mm -hmm. but there was some backpedaling and some unfortunate events that unfortunately uh, extended the whole situation out until 2005, which is when the IRA leadership officially disarmed and uh, finally gives us closure on the troubles. Yeah. So in the end, there's no happy ending for Renault. See, I should have just like paid him something. I guess. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't get paid. I mean, also like, well, he's our Ronin, I guess he is our Ronin. He is the Ronin. I better movie, better version of this film. Focus on him more and less on De Niro. Make De Niro, like, a little more of a side character. Maybe that makes it a little harder to do the whole magic trick of the movie. But you're, I mean, yeah, like, you know, like, we're talking we're talking about, like, at, at a certain point, like, they're still going after the case where that makes no sense for Sam. It does make sense for Jean Renault because Jean Renault, I guess, still wants to get paid. But at the end of the movie, he doesn't get paid. And you know what? CIA's got deep pockets. Instead of just saying, like, and you know what? It's not even just that the CIA, that Sam doesn't, you know, like, say, like, hey, we'll we'll pay you for your help with this. He doesn't yeah. even fucking buy the cup of coffee. He makes John yeah. fucking <laughs> pay the right. bill. Yeah. Cheap-ass yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, it's romantic. It's very romantic for like yeah. no. It's like the character in a in a Clint Eastwood movie where the man with no name is like riding off into the 
fucking horizon. <laughs> right. Um, and Jean Reno is just like, well, I guess in my very French way, there's a there's a lesson to be learned here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, cue music. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, just really quick. Like, I, I'd like to see him get paid and the CIA yeah. can afford it. Yeah, absolutely. Red fucking um, dude, you know, especially at this point too, Sam should be identifying Jean Renault as a guy he can fucking trust. Always mm-hmm. have his back. Yep. And he should be fucking recruiting that motherfucker. Oh, absolutely. He should be saying Put like, yo, list. yo, yeah. you want to get paid? Yeah, right. <laughs> let, me to, let me talk to you about some shit we could do together. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about the alternate endings of this movie. There is a, a first ending which was originally planned. In that one, uh, okay, so we got Jean Renault's character, Vincent and Sam, in the bistro, and they're wondering if Deirdre will show up for some fucking reason. Uh, she she kind of thinks about it. She we see her on the outside. She thinks about it, and then she decides that she's not going to, and she's starting to walk away. And then a bunch of IRA guys show up in a van and fucking call her a traitor and and screech off down the street with her. The implication being that she's killed, that she dies. Oh, I kind of like that ending. Um, That's a much better ending. It's pretty dark, but uh, test audiences really did not like it. <laughs> uh, so they came up with another one where she does. So they said, okay, well, let's make it so that she does come up and join Sam and Vincent. And then mm. audiences hated that one because it was too gushy. <laughs> <laughs> it was too okay. Hollywood, and and people thought like that implied that there would be a sequel, you know, with, right. with those three like going out right. in Ronin together or something. Or yeah, right. hey. <laughs> um, they just I guess uh, we we have the compromise ending where we just don't ever see Deirdre, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was like, well, you know. I can't kill her and I can't show a happy ending for her. People hate both of those equally. So I guess we're just going to shrug and say, yeah. I don't know, which, which works fine for me. Yeah. Works right. fine for me. Well, that adds to the possibility that the, you know, the whole film team was like, no, we want to give you the real experience. Because I'm sure there are many moments where someone doesn't show up and you have no information. I think that's even darker. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. When we talked about uh, the Bourne movies and how they kind of intersect with a, a real, like, like Bond movies have been going on for a long time, you know, until like, uh, you know, in, into the, into the two thousands. But they, they suddenly drop off a cliff. The first Pierce Brosnan movie, uh, I think that was Goldeneye was well received. And I think people like it. 
Um, but after that, people are just like, yeah, we're, we're just done. We're just done with Bond. Like, you know, people stop showing up to see the movies. The critics just start saying like, bleh. I've always said like Born Identity was uh, very pivotal in in kind of canceling old Bond. And when I say old Bond, I mean everything pre-Daniel Craig, the reboot. Right. Uh, I think Ronan is actually also really important. It is in 1998, as we say. Mm-hmm. We saw our first Mission Impossible movie in 1996, Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's really those three movies. It's the first Mission Impossible, it's Ronan, and it's Born that really like start like shoveling dirt down on James Bond and mm-hmm. forces them, which is something I am super happy about. Forces them. I think what is it? Paramount or no? Who's uh? Oh no, Bond is still like MGM forces them to go completely back to the drawing board and reinvent him uh with mm-hmm. the Daniel Craig movies to my continued delight. But I just wanted to flag, I think Ronan was really an important movie in that my star rating on Ronan is gonna be high. It's gonna be really high. I've hadn't seen this movie for a long time by the time we decided to put it on the podcast. But back in the day, I watched it like, I don't know, five, six fucking times. Yeah. <laughs> I think again, I, I probably mostly like watched the first half and then kind of fell asleep in the last, but um, my star rating on Ronan, I think this is one of my fives. I think this is one of my fives. I think this is one of my all time hits. Really? Yeah. Well, that excuses my uh, Good Shepherd five. <laughs> um, uh, no, I um, I I came in wanting to give this a three, um, but you know, as we're recording this, I I really think it's possible they wanted to give us the real experience of intelligence work and the deal of uncertainty. And the reason why I wanted to give it a three is because it's really fun to watch. And then the movie just starts making new stories. Um, so if I'm right about what they were trying to accomplish, I want to give it a four. But if I'm wrong, I'm going to stick at my three. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. And I'm, I'm sticking to it. All right. That's going to be one of our biggest differences that we had. Uh, My best trade craft number three. I like the pre-planning based on just the information that we have, and we will gather more information as we go. I like that. Number two best trade craft for me is that when you go back and watch the movie again, you realize that Sam's constant questioning about what's really going on like he's 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 working both ends. He's being a werewolf and a villager. Yeah. <laughs> Number one is the same as yours. So let's hear your best. Okay. 
My number three best tradecraft is uh, keeping Jonathan Price a secret. Creating that distance, you know, carpet, carp, compartmentalizing information. Uh, my number two best tradecraft was just Sam acting normal at every moment he needed to. Just watching an actor act like a spy acting normal. Uh-huh. The, like, you know, a lot of spy films, we get the, like, here's a spy reading a newspaper. Here's a spy. Be- no, no, no. Here is a spy pretending to be a normal person. And he owned it. Um, not just as an actor, but as, like, a spy would actually act like a normal person because you're acting like an alien. Uh, my number one best tradecraft and Todd's number one best tradecraft was the photography at the hotel. If you have not seen this film and you need one reason to see this film, just watch it and wait until the hotel scene and enjoy every moment. Just soak it all in from the moment they walk in till the next scene. Just just enjoy it. Best scene ever. It's really genius. Uh, might be, yeah. might be like again, might be one of our best tradecraft moments. Yeah, in 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 everything that we've covered, it's yeah, it's ingeniously executed. It was beautiful. Yeah. What about your worst tradecraft? Uh, I don't. I, you know, I really question Sam going hard on the pay raise because mm-hmm. knowing what I know by the end of the movie, uh, that could have backfired. But in the first place, my number two is the IRA lowballing this shit. <laughs> because when you see what they actually have to do, this is not a $40,000 job. This is no. not a $40,000 job. I'm going to yeah. say it one more time. It's not a $40,000 job. Not a, 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 even if we give filmmaking three years, 1995, $40,000, not worth it. My number one worst is, again... We're in total agreement, so let's hear your number three and number two. My number three worst tradecraft was not bringing more IRA guys or just guys, period. And this is an edit live time. This was going to be my number two. Uh, But if they were willing to pay a bigger price, they should have brought more guys, which maybe kind of tells us that they were planning on, like, tying the loose ends, but Whatever. There's shit. Why was nobody watching Gregor? Anyway. That's your number two. And they're kind of tied together. They're, yeah. they're my totally- number two worst tradecraft is why was nobody watching Gregor? Why was nobody watching? We have like how many people involved? How many organizations? Nobody is watching Gregor? Like, no, tech we is- know. We know. We can absolutely infer. And this is why your number three and number two tie in together. We can absolutely infer that the IRA have agents in the field. Right. But and all like- of a sudden, when they need extra guys, like these guys, these guys are nowhere to be seen. I saw one of them, Knucklecracker, absolutely, like, could have been on the job. And not watching Gregor, like, you know what, like, the. They did all this, uh, you know, they have all these guys, or at least one guy, I don't know, two or three, it seems yeah. like, at the minimum, right. that are, like, doing all the prep work, and then on the day of the op, they're just, like, they don't exist. They don't exist. Right. And, and this is, like, Intelligence 101. Like, you need people to watch the people watching. 
Like it's this is not even like uh, my worst tradecraft number one, as well as Todd's worst tradecraft number one, was why did Sam go after the case? Like, other than to get the girl, or other than to recruit the girl, or other than God knows what, uh, there is no reason for him to do that because his target was Jonathan Price. As soon like, as Famous shows up on the radar, like, you can forget about the box. And just go for your primary objective. Right. It's it's silly. Silly. Anyway, uh, that's our worst. Let's uh, move on to park benches. Yep. Uh, I hadn't put a lot of thought into this. Uh, Where are we going to go? Me either. Let's see. Let's bring up the old... Podcast movies, Doc. By the way, while we're doing this, I want to talk about ratings. Todd and I had a conversation about this. Like, I hate doing ratings because, like, you can't ever, like, where do you even start? But when I uh, took some classes on uh, intelligence analysis, one of the things about just analysis period is, like, just taking a stab from what you think and then adjusting and uh, Todd helped me a lot on this podcast, like understanding estimates and ratings. So most of our ratings are coming from our previous ratings and adjusting. Uh, I don't know if you want to leave this in, but it'd be nice for me to talk about it when I'm not drunk. David, I think I could start with a three and end with a three. Uh, we'll give it a little more. Uh, accuracy than from Russia with love. Yeah. And a little less than Samurai Spy. I don't know. Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Well, hmm, yeah. Atomic Blonde is also a three born supremacy. Those are the movies I think are most analogous to this born supremacy, Atomic Blonde. No, 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 I don't think it's less than Samurai Spy or Miss Sloan or Did Shepherd Departed Spy Game. This is gotta be. This is this less than the company. This, this, this is this definitely less more, than four. This can't be more than Miss Sloan. This can't be no. more than the Good Shepherd. So no. a three, in my opinion, or a three point five is a hard ceiling. Well, I'm saying it should be a three point five. You think it goes along with uh, the Good Shepherd? Well, yeah, like we discussed, the tradecraft wasn't actually there. Okay, so so what you're saying is like you're willing to excuse. I mean, I guess like because again, like the thing with the born the born movies is like okay, all the actions that we see, the APMs that we see per minute, those all look really good. But then right. you also have to say, like, well, I don't really believe that. I mean, you might, but I don't. That there's like uh, a secret super soldier spy, op, op, you know, operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, like you know, and and Atomic Blonde definitely had its own problems. Um, I'm more looking at this as dealing with mercenary intelligence. Number one. And number two, Sam's acting normal as well as questioning. If you if you look at the scope of the film as 
through the eyes of someone that Sam is portraying, I think he did a great job. The other stuff I agree with you. Like, I, I think the other stuff in the story is 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 more along with like Bourne and Atomic Blonde type stuff. But I think there's a lot more gems that we could mine out of this film as far as like real tradecraft than we could have in Atomic Blonde or the Bourne film. Okay. Yeah. Or even No Way Out. Yeah. Like No Way Out did not have gems. I'm coming on. Speakers didn't have gems. You're making it. Joshua loved it. You're making a good case. I mean, but you look at Samurai Spy. You look at Sloan. You look at. It's also similar in that, like you know, it's like this band of misfits. But at least they all like knew how to work with each other. Right. Yeah, they were like a like a team. Like we got the sense of like this is a team of buddies, which like, is very eighties. If you redid yeah. sneaker if you layered the Ronin plot over sneakers and you expected all those people to just like show up for a job. Like the thing about right. sneaker the, the thing about sneakers that we love is like all like these guys like they've all worked together, they've kind of gelled together as a team. You right. know, even though they're misfits. In this film, we got like misfits that haven't gelled together as a team. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're they're like veterans. Like I think the only veterans we had in sneakers was Sidney Poitier and Robert uh, Redford, right? Like everybody else were kind of like climbing the ladder, or gaining their experience. Like if you want to take this on an RPG type of level, versus like David. David, I'm I, I really I really feel bad. I. In my bones, it's really not feeling good to give this a three point five. Okay, it's it's right. it's not, dude. Miss Sloan, the Good Shepherd, the Departed, right? Like, like this movie is silly. But it's, that's what I'm it, saying. It does its the movie is silly. Well. It does its flourishes well, but the foundation is just so fucking shaky, and like, like there's so much stuff that like falls. Yeah, but that's apart. like. That's like the film. The the film is shaky, right? But like there's a lot of like legit gems versus like Miss Sloan is a well done film with I think less gems than we could have gotten from uh from Ronin. I, I feel like there's more gems than in like No Way Out or like Atomic Blonde. Or like the born supremacy, you know. I'm looking at these threes. Th- three is kind of like our safe zone, and I, I feel this deserves a little bit more just because <laughs> of the because this should not be a four. We agree on that. We agree on that. Three point five is a hard ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I I, I don't want to go to three point five. I don't. I don't. Well, do you want to do you want to do a three and a quarter on this? Oh can we can God, we meet no. that? No, we can't do that. We can't do that. Um, you know what? Uh, I gotta go. I got a date. Uh, we're gonna leave it. Uh, we're gonna leave it as a as a split decision between the judges. Three and three point five. <laughs> check us out. Okay. Check us out. Uh, you know, somebody on Facebook, fucking like first person to to comment on our Facebook page. Can split, the, out. can split the vote, can make the yeah. decision. We need, we need a neutral third party. Yeah. 
Because uh, <laughs> I got to go. Looks like we're not going to make this decision anytime fast. And yeah. Uh, yeah, if you jump onto our Facebook page, uh, the first person that decides whether it's a 3.5 or a 3, boom, that will make that our official rating. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. I got to go. All right, bye. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler. <laughs>